0: And so what we learned is the first thing is we have to realize God has not given us a spirit of intimidation. He's not given us a spirit to be timid. And this is important because in the last days, in these days that we are going to live, that is going to be the fiercest battle that we will fight. It is knowing truth, but not having the courage to just say it is truth to just say that that's what the Bible says. It's not that you have to write the book. It's just having the courage to stand and say, this is what he said. We can't agree with that. Or yes, we do agree with that. Being able to stand and realize that we're not voting, we're not the one that is deciding, we are simply standing alone. As Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me in this present life that I'm giving you, if you're ashamed of me, then I'm going to be ashamed of you. It's that simple. And that is the challenge that every one of us has every day. It's not complicated. It's not hard. The spirit that lives in you is going to tell you, that's right. Or it's going to say, that's not right. It's not like we've got to come up with some great uh, theological or, or we've got to memorize the Bible. The spirit that lives in you is going to direct you and move you if you will allow him and you will stand when he says to stand. Now, we dealt with the Scripture, and this morning I want us to backtrack a little bit because I want to give some context to this Scripture 7 and 8 that we dealt with last week, that God has not given us the spirit of fear or the spirit of intimidation in 2 Timothy 1, as we began to study that. But I want us to go all the way back to the first verse. And I want us to look at the Apostle Paul who is writing this. Because many times we say to ourselves, well, it, it's easy for him to say that. You know, he, he's the Apostle Paul. I mean, he raises dead people who fall out of windows. And, 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 and he's, he's had all these mighty works and miracles. And it's easy for Paul to say that. He, he survives shipwrecks and snakes bite him and he shakes them off in the fire. I mean, he, he has jail services. Unlike jail services we have, he goes to the jail, literally goes to the jail, not just visits, he goes to jail. And while he's in jail, the jails can't hold him. I mean, he, he, I mean, this is the Apostle Paul. Yeah, he can write. But I want you to realize that 2 Timothy is a unique book. Because 2 Timothy is written at the time of Paul's life where he has now been arrested the second time. This time is for the last time. Caesar, who is in charge now, is Caesar Nero. And Nero, just to put it in the simplest terms, is a lunatic. It's just the simplest way to put it. He was off his rocker, however you say those phrases. He didn't have his elevator, did not go all the way to the top. And because of this, he was utterly within his own reign destroying Rome, But one of the groups that he loved to criticize or the groups that he wanted to blame everything for were the Christians. That was his easiest scapegoat. Does that sound familiar in our day and time? The reason, you know, everybody's shooting everybody and the reason the world's so bad is because of the church. Church is what's causing all our problems. I'm like, I don't think so. But Nero was of that same mindset. And so the Apostle Paul at this time is is not in a good situation. The Apostle Paul at this time is in a pit situation. This is not the times where he's writing letters before, where he is sitting there in a room and he's in house arrest. And this is not the same time. This is a time where his life now he is on death row. That's where he's at. On death row, he knows that I'm, I'm not leaving. In fact, Second Timothy is the last book that the apostle Paul will write. It's the last, last letter. What would you want to say to somebody that you loved? What would you want to say to somebody that meant a lot to you? And this letter is not written to everyone. It's written to just one individual. Paul does that quite often. He writes his letters to one individual. But by doing that, they can read them openly and everyone, as we do even now, can get something from it. So let's go to 2 Timothy 1. And with that mindset, beginning at verse 1, let's look at what the Apostle Paul Is dealing with. Let's look at at what his mindset is at this time. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the what? By the will of God. And other times he, he doesn't say all of this, and other times he just says, an apostle of Jesus Christ. One who's been called by God. This time he he backtracks or he expands it a little bit to show. That, listen, the reason I'm where I'm at and the reason I'm doing what I'm doing and the only reason I'm in this position and the only reason I've, I've run this race and finished this thing is because God, through Jesus Christ, had a plan. And I am living out and I am fulfilling that plan. And so where I'm at right now and what I'm going through and the life that I'm living is through Jesus Christ. Notice how, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. So he says, what I'm telling you is I'm doing all of this because there is a promise upon me that I won't ever lose my life, that I can't ever extinguish my life, but the promise of life is what I sold out to when I began to follow God. So I am this prisoner, I am in the will of God, according to God's will, not mine. This is not my plan, this is not the way I would do it, but according to God's will, I am by the promise of life where I'm at today. Verse 2, to Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. He says, Timothy, I want you to realize while I sit here, I'm thinking about my life, and I'm thinking about people I'm going to see, and I'm thinking about my whole story, and my my grandfathers, and those who taught me to serve God, and all the growth that's happened in my life. And I remember you. I remember all the things we've done together, and all the process, and all the places we've been, and... And when I think of you, I never cease to pray for you every single day. You're consistently on my mind. Do you see the the depth of what he's writing? Can you start to feel that he is writing this, this final letter and he is pouring out everything that he has? If you had to write one last letter to someone you loved, what would it sound like? The Apostle Paul is unpacking it. I thank God whom I serve with pure conscience. Verse 4. Greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. See, Timothy wasn't as, as far along. He wasn't as mature as Paul. You ever have people in your life, you're living for the Lord and you're watching them struggle through the process and you're watching them fall one time and get up and fall. And, and Timothy is having a struggle with this. In fact, on different occasions, he says, take a little wine for your stomach. <laughs> in other words, I know, I know me, I drink buttermilk. That's what I would have told you. Drink some buttermilk. It'll make you feel better. It'll, it'll ease some of that pain that takes place sometimes and ulcers that want to set up in your stomach. And so he looks at him and he says, I'm mindful of your tears. I remember seeing you and I think of you when you've written to me or we've talked. And you're you're like, Paul, oh, this is tough. Because you've got to understand, Timothy was dropped off at Ephesus. He was left at Ephesus where it's considered the seat of Satan. Historians will say that eventually Timothy will be killed there in Ephesus. Given his life preaching the gospel." And so Timothy is saying that every day that I get up, this is not easy. That my life is on the line every single day. And Paul says, I know that through tears, Timothy, you're doing this. And I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. But it's okay. What do you tell someone? And it's not that he got there by accident. The Apostle Paul is the one who put him there. And he says, Timothy, I'm mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. I wish I I could see you one more time. I wish that I could, could see you and hug you one more time. I wish that I could be there. Now, knowing all of this, this sounds right now depressing. But Paul is not meaning it depressing. He's just meaning to set the stage for what he wants to say. So what would you say when you say, man, I wish I could see you? I know it's hard sometimes for, for me and Elise to, to talk to Nathan or anything because we had, you know, you want to be careful not to, not to say, Oh, we miss you so much and start crying on the phone or anything like that because then that makes him homesick or makes him. And it's, and it's, it's a balance there that you're trying to keep all the time that, that we're thinking about you. Don't think we're not thinking about you, but we know it's good. So the apostle Paul reaches this stage. He says, greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. What? When I recall, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that's in you. So he turns the page. He said, listen, Timothy, I'm going to tell you what's going to get you through this. He said, because I know that the times I've been with you, there's one quality that I have found in you. There is one thing that I've seen in you that separates you from others. You ever ever been in church long enough to be able to pick out the ones that you know they got it? And the ones you like, I hope they got it. And, and Paul looks at them and says, and, and if you don't know which one it is, just look at the person beside you and ask them, do you think I got it? Or do you, or do you wonder if I have it? I mean, you just know. Yesterday, I, I, I'm working at, here at the church, and, and, and some of my t- teenage guys and, and young men show up, and, 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 you just, and some of my kids, they, they, you just know they got it. You just know they got the right heart. You know they got the right mindset. You know they got the right attitude. One of my young girls showed up to help and everything. And, and it was just like, it was like, nobody made you. They just got up that day, look, we, we want to. We have a heart to. We desire to. I know Jeff and him came by and they said, Where, where's your crew? I said, this is my crew. This is it. This is, this is who sees this is important. This is my crew. And so you you look around, and Timothy, when I look at you, I saw the genuine faith that's in you. Faith that, just like Paul is saying, will will sustain in jail, will sustain you when you're in a place you don't like, that you put this above everything else in your life. it's, It's this mindset that you are sold out to what God is sold out to, which dwelt first in your, what, grandmother Lois and in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded it's also in you. Let me explain how this works. It is a combustible anointing that God puts on people. Let me just fix your biggest problem for some of you. Who you're hanging around is watering down your anointing. Who you spend your time with is what's creating the junk that you think about that's causing you the doubts that's in your mind. See, Timothy didn't get here by accident. In fact, he didn't get here just because of the Apostle Paul. He had two ladies in his life, his grandmother and his mother, who were pouring into him constantly God and how to live and how to act and how to talk and how to be. It wasn't an accident that by the time the Apostle Paul met him, they was already having a mindset that, Timothy, I know what was in your mom, and I know what was in your grandmother, and I got good assurance that what was in them got passed on to you, got put into you. Got, got. That's why, oh, guys, I tell you all the time, ladies, young ladies, when you're picking a husband, you need to spend more time with his family than you do with him. You need to go eat with them. You need to go find out what they do at their family reunion. Because let me tell you something, no matter how much he looks at you and says, I'm not like them, that's who he is. And he's going to eventually begin to look like his old man. He's going to begin to talk like his old man and his mama. And if they cuss and they do partying and they do this, then let me tell you what's fixed to happen. Sooner or later, he's going to say, well, that's just who I am. I hate to break the news to you. you. You're going to have to decide who you're going to be with and hang with because those are the people that is eventually going to become the DNA of who you are. So he says, I know what started in you. And not only that, but listen to verse 6. Therefore, I remind you then to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the... He said there was a time in which you decided to be in ministry... And when you decided to be in ministry or you decided to go further with the Lord or to really take this, there was a moment where I and others sat you down and we laid hands on you and anointed you and called the gifts that are in you out. Some of you in this room, the next step, okay, well, I got to get around good people. Not only do you got to get around good people, but then you got to also receive the anointing that comes because others have to be able to pass that and pray that on to you. I know that sounds strange in our day and time. We used to call them spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers. In my life, I did not get here by accident. First, I had a mom and dad. My dad was not only my pastor. he, He was my mentor, my mom. After that, I went to my uncle, spent a year and a half with him, who was my mentor, who was, what do you think they're doing? They're passing on. I can't tell you how many times my dad has laid hands on me. One of the things that I think about the most is before my dad dies, I hope and pray and, and I try to time it to the best of my ability. You say, this sounds weird. It is. Because what I, want is what I want before my dad dies is he's going to lay his hands on me one more time. And whatever left in him, whatever anointing that is still dwelling within that 80-year-old man will come into me. It will get passed on to me. Now, I don't know if Trent's going to beat me to it like like Jacob did, Esau or whatever. I don't know. But we're going to fight for that one. Some of y'all don't understand that. But you got to understand this is the process. That's why Paul writes this. He says, Timothy, don't you remember that you said, I want to do this. I want more. And what did we do? I don't know if you pull up a chair. Some people pull up a chair and everybody gathers around. I don't care how you do it. You may just stand up there and anoint you with oil. But there has to be a time when you step past the normal and you say, "I want the anointing that you have on your life." I wish I had time to go through different ministers that you know right now who went into hospital rooms or spent their lives who were mentored by other people who who, who John Hagee and and and, and all, all. I could just go through. Enormous names who all these ministers you know now are simply men who had their hands who heads laid on by the hands of great men of in the 50s and 60s and 70s. And what happened was that anointing, and I'll still tell you today that I have, I have this anointing on me. Why? Because I was a disciple of so-and-so. I was a follower of them. It don't mean that they were their, their God, but what it means is they understood they had an anointing, and because of it, they attached themselves to them. And when that time came, they said, they are the ones that laid their hands on me. When you ask me, I'll say, D. Lott laid his hands on me. I can name you state overseers who laid their hands. When I was anointed to be ordained minister and stood in front of the whole, simply the whole Church of God in the Mississippi, and I can tell you that, that different people laid their hands on me. I could go through the list. I have them written in my Bibles. Why is that important? Because I know the anointing that was passed on to me. Whoever laid their hands on you, Who have you decided, I want their anointing? I don't want it to die with them. Remember in the Old Testament, one of the saddest stories is that Elijah gave his anointing to Elisha. Elisha's servant backed off, ran away. Elisha died, and the anointing was still on him. How do you know, Brother Lot? Because remember, they threw his dead body into a grave. Later, there's a war and a man is killed. They take the dead man and throw him into the grave, but they have no idea whose bones are still there. And when this dead man hits the bones of Elisha, he's instantly healed and comes back to life. Those That anointing went to the grave. And Paul is saying, listen to me, Paul is happy because he understands I have over the course of time laid hands on multiple people so that my anointing, Timothy, you you stir it up because it came on you because we laid hands on you. And that's part of me understanding when I, my time comes. If, if it all, oh, I want to be able to say, I know that these ministers are working today. These people are pastoring today. These people are, why? Because they're carrying on, they have an anointing of their own, but they're carrying mine too. Does that make sense? It's very important. And I probably need to preach a whole series on that. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given you a spirit of fear. Here's our verse. But of power and love and what? Sound mind. See, the problem is if you don't get these parts right, then what you have is ministers that we have today or ministries that we have today that write a book about God one day or backslid surfing the next day. You got them excited about God one day, preaching to thousands, and commit suicide the next day. Why? Because they don't have power, love, or a sound mind. And the whole purpose of this is to create within every single one of us this understanding. Is to create within us the ability to walk and to have this. And let me show it to you this morning because we're just going to deal with the first one, understanding power. So when I decide that I'm not going to live with a spirit of timidness, so, so hopefully you grasp that when you look at Pastor Lot and you're like, man, how, how does he do what he does? How does he? Because the first six verses explain to you how I got here. From my mentors, from the prayers that were prayed over me, just in every aspect, you understand that just as Timothy is sitting there, others have sat there with me and have passed on to me something that hopefully that you see in three areas. There is power that comes through that guy, there's, there's an anointing that comes through him. Secondly, he just keeps loving, no matter, no matter how much people say or what happens, he just keeps moving forward in love. And thirdly, he is, as, as people say it a lot, I don't see how you deal, Brother Lot, with all you deal with. Well, it's simple. I got a sound mind. I have a sound mind. I'm not hooked on the Kardashians. I don't care what the greatest and the newest trend is in in wear. I don't care if girls untuck their shirts or tuck the front now. I don't care if they wear spandex or baggage. I don't care. I have a sound mind. I don't need somebody else telling me what looks good and what doesn't look good. Whether I'm okay or not okay. If I want to wear parachute pants with a Coca-Cola t-shirt, I'm in style because I'm wearing it. And until you get there, you can't deal with this world. You you can't get up in the morning. (laughs) Some of you spend more time trying to figure out what you're going to wear in the morning than you actually do what you're going to do with your morning. And more worried about what somebody's going to think about it. And until you get past that, you can't live with a sound mind. Well, I'm not getting any amens today, so we're just going to jump on up this. So we understand. Let me just give it to you in Scripture when we talk about this power. Acts 1 and 8, listen to what it says. Because this is the purpose of of the whole thing. But you shall, when Jesus looks looks at the disciples and before he leaves, he says, all power has been given to me. All power is mine. In heaven, earth, everything, all power has been given to me. And now I'm going to send you out, and you're going to be my disciples. Don't worry, because you have power over serpents, power over the devils, power over everything, and he says, you will receive power. Here's what he says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses into Jerusalem and in Judea and to Samaria and to the end of the earth. When he says power here, there's different kinds of power that's that's talked about in, in scripture. But this power that he's talking about is not mental power, it's not it's not uh social power, it's not it's not trying to influence power, it is just simply deudamous power. When he talks about dudamous power, it's what's just talked about in the old testament that not by power earthly power, and not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord, is the way things are going to be accomplished. So when he looks at them and says, he says, I'm not sending you to a seminar to teach you how to be a better preacher. I'm not sending you to a seminar to teach you in church growth. I'm not sending you to a seminar to teach you how to relate to people in your congregation what I'm going to do is I'm going to anoint you with dudamous power and dudamous power is going to override even the fact that you may stutter even the fact that you may not get everything right when you're trying to preach you may not have the greatest ability because notice now he's talking to fishermen he's talking to people that have no uh, education in, in all the seminary they're not Pharisees they're like how are we going to do this. We can't We can't stand in front of these people. We don't have the ability. He said, don't you worry because the power I'm giving you is not about persuasion. It's not about trying to overcome somebody with a human ability. It's the power that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit and when it comes upon you, when he comes upon you, don't you worry. You'll be able to stand where you didn't think you could stand. You'll be able to preach where you didn't think you could preach. You'll be able to do what you didn't think you could do. We see this in the book of Acts. That's where the first whole thing when it starts here and says, listen, you're going to do this and the next thing we find out is that Peter's preaching the first message in front of educated people, in front of all sorts of people and yet there he stands and 3,000 get saved that day. Why? Because he stands there and says, look, I don't have the ability to say it right. I don't have all the education but one thing I got is I got power and we're not drunk like you think but we're full of the power of the Holy Spirit. We're full of what God told us we could have. Listen, all through Scripture you're going to find the whole book of Acts. It's not a lesson, a seminary on how to grow a church. The whole book of Acts is a seminary on how to walk in power, how to survive shipwrecks with power, how to survive jail with power, how to be able to walk along and have enough power that when they arrest you and you stand before the Pharisees, and they look at you and say, look, we don't want you talking no more. And Peter looks at them with boldness and says, look, you decide which way it ought to be, whether it's right or wrong. But listen, we've made a decision whether to listen to you or to listen to God. And we've done decided that we're just gonna listen to God and keep it going. And you know what the Bible says? They let them go. They beat them and let them go. And Peter and them were excited. Why? Because they came back and told them. They said, you won't believe it. We just stood in front of the most mighty court that we've got. And they didn't know how to handle us. They didn't know how to talk to us. We weren't as educated, but we had more power than they did. We had more authority than they did. And all of a sudden, they begin to realize that's when the very next prayer comes. And Peter and all of them there are together. And what do they pray? God, don't give us better words. Don't give us better. No, they said, fill us with all boldness that we can preach the gospel. They started to realize that if we just let the Holy Spirit work through us, it's all it takes. If your kids can just see the Holy Spirit, it's enough. If the people at work can just see the Holy Spirit, it's enough. Well, I don't know how to say it, Brother Lott. It's not in how you say it. It's the power you say it in. I had someone the other day that needed prayer. They said, will you pray for me? I was like, yeah. So I just laid hands on them and... And spoke healing over him In the name of Jesus, you're healed. And I just kind of got through and they just kind of looked at me. I'm like, oh, you don't understand. I did my praying this morning. I said, now I'm just doing my speaking. I'm praying, that was done a long time ago for her. And I pick about food that way. Remember? You know, always People look at me and say, but I don't pray over his food. Yeah, I do. I prayed that morning. That morning I said, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day. And forgive us our trespasses as today I'm going to be forgiving. So as I'm going through the day, I don't have to say, Lord, forgive me. No, God is constantly forgiving me as I am loving others all through the day. I done my praying in the morning. Now I do my living. I do my living in front of everybody. I do my praying in front of God. For the things that I ask in secret are the things that he rewards me openly. So the praying that I did in the morning, so now when I meet someone who's sick, I can say in the name of Jesus, be healed. You ever notice that Jesus never calls a prayer line? You ever notice he doesn't spend a whole lot of time praying? He just lays hands, you healed, healed, be healed. Some of them he just looks at, oh, y'all over there, be healed. Like, he didn't even pray for him. Oh, no, he done done. his praying. Every morning, early in the morning, he went and spoke to his father, and he said, Father, whatever you want me to do today, whoever you put in front, that's the people I need to be. And I ask that whoever I meet and whoever comes to me will be exactly the people that you need and the people I lay hands on, that you will heal them. They already were healed before they were, ever got here. See, that's power. I don't, I don't have to go to my car in a few minutes. And I don't have to raise the hood, check everything, check my battery cables, close the hood, get in my car and crank it. Because I know that the moment I get into my car, power will be there. Everything has done been done in advance so that I know that the power is there to accomplish what I need. And that's what he's saying here. Listen, you shall receive power. Don't don't spend time worried about power. You're going to receive power. All through the New Testament, this is what we hear. Go to Colossians 1. Let me just read a few scriptures. Colossians 1. For by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or what? Power. So that means any power that exists was created by whose power? God's. So when you say, oh, boy, the devil's got power. But he's only created power by the one who has power. Think about that. There's no power that you ever... That's why he said any person you ever stand in front of, him, any judge, any, any, any person you ever stand... Anything that ever says, I got power realize the only reason you have power is because the one that I serve who has all power gave it to you. And all things were created through him and for him. Go to verse 29. To this end, I also labor. So he says, listen, I'm working and I'm trying and I'm preaching the gospel. But for this end, I also striving according to his Working or the other translation, if you have a different one, is according to his power, which works in me just a little bit. No. See, some of you don't realize this morning that you have power. If you choose to have fear, it diminishes and cancels the power. That's why some people in this world, because of fear, don't go sailing. They'll never know what it's like to see the ocean. They'll never know what it's like to ride on a boat. They'll never know because they have a fear. Some people will never know what it's like to fly in an airplane, to look out the window and see clouds from the top side, not the bottom. Maybe raining down below, but here you are, just white, the sun shining because of a fear. Some of you will never move forward in your life because of a fear. And he said, listen, to this end also striving according to the power which works in me mightily. The whole purpose is is to push out the fear and realize that in every one of you mightily the power of God is working. Your flesh and and everything around you is going to fight against that, but you have to remind yourself consistently or stir up the gift that's in you consistently that you have Power. Look at the person beside you and tell them, I have mighty power. And they probably don't even believe it. They're like, I got, I got mighty power. I don't know what that... But you've got mighty power inside of you. Listen to what it says. If you go to Corinthians, that's what he says in Colossians. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 12, 7-10. That's what he says. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn of flesh was given me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be what? Exalted above measure. Now, does anybody in here have flaws? Okay. That's good. I have flaws or I have thorns, to keep me, because here's the problem. If I spend too much time in this side over here, I get to thinking and feeling nothing's impossible. Whatever I put my hands to will... Work out, right? Or prosper? Prosper. So think about it. Nothing that I put my hands to won't prosper. Roll out that ink. So what does God do? God says to limit you because I got to put you in my plan. How much power did Jesus have? Limitless. Limitless. But did God put limitations on him? Yes. Otherwise, he'd just walked on the water all the time. He'd just said, forget the boats, guys. Let's just walk. I mean, he'd have had limitless power. Why in, the world are we, why in the world are we cooking fish? Fish, jump out of the water. I mean, he's got limitless power. But God says, no, no, no. I'm limiting you. So much so that every morning Jesus had to get up in the morning and go pray and say, Father, today, let me do what you want done. Let me see it the way you see it. Let me, even to the end of his life when he's about to die, he says, Father, not my will, but you understand. It's good to know. So, so uh, somebody, somebody had mentioned the other day said, Oh man, you know, the next cool thing would be, would be to, let this become the 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 youth and the whole campus area over here and build out on the on the interstate a uh, a new sanctuary and that would be on a sanctuary and i thought at first i was like that's crazy and then in my mind i had to be careful cuz i'm thinking you know what if we went and bought 14 15 20 acres out on the interstate built a church you know what would happen it would succeed but god says mm I'm limiting you right now I'm limiting you right now he limits me with blood pressure he limits me with 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 all sorts of things that I have to wrestle and fight and and, and thoughts and different things and I'm like God if you just if you just wouldn't allow this stuff on me I would be able to do so much more and God's like you're doing just fine Tim you're doing just fine see what gets me tired is not My God side, it's my limitation side. Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation, a thorn of flesh was given to me. Verse 8. This night he says this Concerning this thing, (laughs) I understand, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. God, take the restraints off. Because really, as a Christian, I shouldn't have any problems. I should have no problems at all. If you just take all the problems away, I could be so much better a Christian. Anybody ever pray that? If you just get this husband away from me, if you just kill him and let me go single, I'd go into mission field. I have so much I want to do for you. Ladies, don't smile too big. Lord, if I didn't have this job, if you just let me, I've been going by this quick stop buying this lottery ticket for the last 10 years. God, if you just let me win the lottery, I'd be so much better a Christian. I'd quit my job and just clean the church all the time. Now, don't tell me y'all don't think crazy things. I've been looking for a check in the mail for the last 25 years. From Bill Gates or... Warren Buffett or somebody he wakes up in the middle of the night and says, I'm gonna give you an address. Send a few million dollars here. And he ain't showed up yet. And I'm like, God, if you just, I mean, I'm pleading with you, just help me. Take off the restraints. Verse 9. And he said to me, My grace is. In other words, I'm giving you all that you need to accomplish what you need. Remember, I give you the right definition of grace. Grace is not unmerited favor. Grace is the ability to do what you have to do when you have to do it. That's grace. So whatever God's given you to do, he's going to give you the grace to accomplish it. But you try to do something above it or beyond it, then you're not going to have enough grace. And you're going to get all frustrated. And you're going to get... So he said, I've given you grace sufficient for you for my strength. Oh, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmity. So I, so I, I I just boast in them. It's like, man, hey, I got issues. I got problems. I got things I have to wrestle with. I boast in them. Why, Brother Lot? So that what? That... The power of Christ might rest. I'm not the smartest person. Don't say that, Pastor Lott. It's not true. You put me in high school again. I'm still going to make a D's. I have issues. Anybody got issues? But here's the key. God says, if you will boast in the issues... Then now my power. Can you imagine all people go to school, smart people, gonna be preachers, gonna be all this, and they're gonna do stuff and they're and then they bump into me. But well, where'd you go to seminary? Uh oh, sack and save grocery stores where I went to seminary. I learned a lot. I got spit on. I got I had to catch shoplifters, drag them to back rooms. I learned a lot about what ministry is about. Loving on people is hard to love. So so when when I'm around, I realize most gladly my my grace is sufficient for you. Therefore, most gladly, I rather boast in my favor that the power of Christ might rest on me. I love being a mystery. I love being a mystery. Because what it means is you can't get it. You can't figure out how it happens no other way than God. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you just decided, you know what, this is who I am. And we're not talking about sin and living in sin. That's not what we're talking about. But just the fact that I have limitations. Hey, bro, I'm, I'm terrorized by standing up on stage. And it, ain't it crazy when God says, oh, I'm going to call you to be on stage. I know what that feels like. I sit there every day and I'm thinking, I hate being on stage. And God says, that's where I'm calling you. So what are you going to do? I'm going to boast in it. Guys, I, I really don't. I, I tell you all the time, I don't even like people. And my wife's shaking her head. It's the truth. I love people. I would give, I would do whatever you want. If you say, brother, like my lawnmower broke, I'll, I'll do my best to mow your grass next week. I love people, I don't like people. And what did God call me to do? Tim, I want you to go like those people. Lord, listen, you know, what I mean some of them, some of their own mothers don't even love them no more. He's like, I know, Tim. But I need you to. I need you to. You got to boast in your infirmity. If you don't understand this, you're not going to understand power. Because what you're thinking, brother, I'm doing the best I can. And you'll fail. Brother, I'm doing all I know. You'll fail. You have to realize I'm weak. I can't do it. I'm not able. So that God gets the glory for your overcoming. So when I stand on the stage and preach, somebody says, boy, you did a great job. (laughs) It wasn't me. And I mean it honestly, it wasn't me. I would have been a million miles from here or doing something. I would have been at the door back there being a greeter. I would not have been on the stage. This is not where I want to be. But I am here by the grace of God and the power of God to do what God's called me to do. And I do my very best and God says that's all I need. Why? Because therefore most gladly I'd rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ might rest on me all the time. Let me show it to you. Go to verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecution, in distress, and for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, I am what? Go to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 1 and 5. Let me just cover a few of these. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. Go to Romans 15 and 13. Romans 15 and 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Go to Ephesians. Ephesians 1, 17 through 22. I just want you to realize there's no book of the Bible, no New Testament book of the Bible. If I had time, we'd go through all of hundreds of scriptures that talks about power. you got to have power. you got to operate in power. Without power, you're not going to be able to do it. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of His glory and the inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of His, what's the word? Power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places, far above principalities and power and might and dominion, And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also which is to come. And he has put all things under his, his power. He's put everything under his and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. That's power. Go to the next verse, Ephesians 3 and 20. Later, the Apostle Paul will write it this way. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the the power that does what though? What did I say? If fear walks in, faith does what? It's not a limitation of God's power. God's holding the universe together. God says, I, I'm okay. I'm, I'm good. I got plenty of power. The problem is, have you realized that God has given you power? Or do you walk around the kitchen like, oh, I wish God would help me with this. And God is saying, I did. I gave you power. Oh, I wish this. I wish the, I did. I gave you power. Power. Oh, I wish I could overcome this, this. I did. I gave you power. The power is working in you. Quit listening to the fear. Quit listening to the negative. If, if, of all the things, I don't care if it's my kids. I don't care if, if it's somebody I know. Of of all the things that makes me walk away from you fastest, you ever want to know? If you want me to walk away from you, just can't be around you. Be negative. tell me you can't, tell me you're not good at t- just tell me, tell me, and, and I will, spiritually, it's like God says, that's it. Because if you do not understand that that power works from within you, power of the Word of God, power of your words, power of the blood, if you don't understand that there's power in those aspects and that it's inside of you to work, And if you decide, I don't care, I'm just going to speak negative. I'm going to speak fear. I'm going to speak disaster. I'm going to speak calamity. For life and death is not in the power of Pastor Lot. Life and death is in the power of your... Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly of all that we ask or think. Now, think about that. Think about the thing that you've been wanting the most. God says, I want something better than that. I'll show it to you this way. It's the, it's the best way I can show it to you. A few years ago, God put it in my heart that I, I wanted to reach Raleigh. For some reason, God's like, I want you to reach Raleigh. And so I'm thinking, okay, God, I'm, I'm in. I'm all in. We talked about it as a church, talked about it just, just so, hey, we're going to fix up. And the state had a little church down there. They were giving it away, and nobody wanted to go. It didn't cut down a couple people. And, and I was like, well, there's my opportunity. We took some money, fixed it up, dressed it up, put landscaping on it, just, just try to make it presentable. We spent over two years there. Won some people to the Lord, wonderful thing. Buried more than I won. That was the crazy thing. There's a lot of older people, wonderful people. Just, just wonderful people. But they were just it was just older people. Even the people I could visit in that area has a uh, basically a retirement home right down the road, and they could drive over time. Mean, it was just it was just. Some of them had to move to Atlanta to live with their kids because they couldn't take care of themselves. It was just, it was like, God, two years. I just, we build it up 10, 20 people and then go back down. It would build it up. And I was like, this is ridiculous. God's so like, doing good. And then right before I went on my sabbatical, God said, you're through. And I was like, I mean, I'm through. And so I told the staff, I told Elise, told, I said, don't send nobody down to Raleigh. Tell them. We're we're, we're we're done. I said, we'll figure it out when I get back. And while I was gone, I get a call from Jeremy Smith. And Jeremy is like, Tim, what are you doing with that building down there? And I said, nothing. I said, I've, you know, been doing church down there for two years. And I said, God told me that was it. I'm through with it. And he said, well, God started to lay on my heart that, I need a men's recovery ministry. I already have a women's one in McGee, but I need a men's, and and that location would be awesome. I said, it's yours. God just spoke to me and said, that's why you've been here. So we gave it, said, hey, whatever you need, gave them some money, said, here, fix some showers up for the people, everything. You think, oh, that's cool, bro, like we built. No, 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 it doesn't end there. Listen, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above you can even ask or think. Now, if that was the case, I'd just think, okay, I I did my part. Jeremy's doing his part. We're done. Oh, but no. Then God looks at me and says, we're going to build Camp Cypress. And I'm like, okay. And in the process of doing this, one of the things that we we had was we had a shed, but we needed to start building beds. Well, Jeremy calls me and talks to me and says, hey, if you ever come up with projects, I got guys now at my recovery that are living at my church that used to be the All Seasons Worship Center church, I got guys living there right now and they need stuff to do. So all of a sudden now, nearly twice a week, I have guys that come up from the place that I used to pastor is now the recovery center that come up and build beds and they're excited because they're building beds for kids that are gonna go to camp. Listen, I serve a God that can do exceedingly abundantly above anything you can hope or ask. I don't think you can, com- anything you can imagine or dream, God says, I'm gonna ace that, Tim. I'm gonna go above what you thought you had figured out. You just thought you were just doing passing a building along. You're gonna get bad, you're gonna minister to others. I get to spend time with these guys every single week and Tim and others that, that come up and it's some of the best time and I thought this would have never happened if we'd have closed the doors or sold the building years ago. This would have never happened unless we did what God asked us to do and then Jeremy did what God asked us to do. And for long, we're going to see another level of it. I don't even know what it is because God does above what I can think, but He does it by working through me. Don't ever don't, don't ever say this around me. You know, God does what God wants to do. Don't ever say that around me. God does what He's able to do through you, and He can't do any more. When you say, oh, I wish God would fix it. He can only work through you. I wish God would help this society. He can only do it through you. you got to realize it's the power that works in us. Let me wrap it up. Go back with me. I could go to several more. Go back to 2 Timothy. Here's Paul writing this letter. And when Paul gets in the middle of this letter, go to chapter 3. Here's what he says. He says, Timothy, be careful in this, these last days. And what it is, it's not that these are people that don't go to church or not, quote, church people. He says they're gonna, they're gonna have a form of godliness. But he describes the way they will act and he talks about lovers of self and he goes through, I mean, you'd think, boy, this last letter to Timothy, he's gonna just, just share a whole lot of memories and, you know, and, no, no, he, he goes, Right straight into it. Stir up the gift, Timothy. Walk in power, Timothy. Why? Because, listen, in these last days, the world's going to love itself a lot more. They're going to heap up preachers to say what they want. They're going to believe fables and things, whatever sounds good, whatever fits their lifestyle, whatever. That's why we have so much of the junk we have now in church. Not out in the world. I expect the world... The stuff we accept in the world, the the lifestyles, the people we ordain to be ministers and and call it normal. I'm like, really? Come on. This is what he tells Timothy. He says, Timothy, having a form of godliness, but denying its... They live in fear. We live in a society, even in the church. We're half packing and need more security cameras and more guns. I thinking, really? Is that how we're going to save ourselves? Don't get me wrong. There's some people in here who are probably packing. But I'm not counting on that. It's not my security. In the last days, it's going to get worse and worse because of fear. Not out in the, out in the world, in the church. There's a guy that was got accused the other day or got arrested the other day in church. He fell asleep in church. Didn't realize his gun fell out and went off. Fourteen people got saved. No, I don't know 14 people got saved, but I bet some did. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> I'll quit, Lord, I'll quit. I said, sure, I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> Fell asleep in church. <laughs> dropped his gun. But we live in a world inside the church that lives in... Listen to what he says... Having a form of godliness, but not, and from such people, t- Timothy, turn away. I know you sounds ugly when I was saying a while ago. There's certain people that I just the moment they start, I quit. Uh, the moment, they, and you think, well, Pastor Lot, he's just being cold. No, I'm being biblical. I'm gonna tell you the greatest fight you're gonna have in this last day. There's gonna be certain people that what's gonna come out of their mouth and their attitude and their fear that wants to well, did you see what happened the other day? Did you read about such and such? I'm like, no, don't want to know. I don't want my ears and my brain to be a garbage can for all the junk that you think about. I don't don't want to live that way. I'd rather live in power, love, and a sound mind. The first part of that is power. He said, having a form of godliness, but denying the power of Timothy, from such people turn away. Listen, for of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various... But this election didn't get you to understand that, Lord, I've seen more people keep up with, Oh, you know what's going to happen? This is going to happen. I'm like, y'all need to get a life. This is pitiful, but this is the way we live. We're like we're like little old women. We expect that from little old women, don't we? If I have my grandmother who lived by herself and and things, and she can't defend herself, we worry about her, and she needs to be careful, and she needs to make sure her doors are locked, and she need, she's she's like little old women. But you're a thirty-two year old man, and you live like a little old woman. Stop it against it. Why? Because we're carried away, loaded down with sins and led away by various lusts. You know what our lust is? We don't want to die. That's our greatest lust. Is that we don't want to die. And if you fear dying, you'll never truly live. If you fear dying, you'll never live. Always learning. Boy, what came on the news? Six o'clock news. Let's learn some more. Let's, let's get, man, we got some more information. What would you learn on Facebook today? Always learning. But never ever coming to the knowledge of truth. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses so do these also resist truth. Moses came and Janus and Jambres were the magicians of Pharaoh. It's a funny story, but I don't have time to teach. But basically Moses would drop his stick and become a snake while Janus and Jambres would drop their stick, stick and it would become a snake. But Moses' stick or snake would eat theirs and then he pick his and it was kind of like that's the way the whole thing. He would he would bring frogs and they would make more frogs. And it's like, we can do that too. I'm like, okay, you just hurt yourself more. They finally got to the point where there was boils and things and they didn't even stick their head out no more because they started catching the same diseases that Moses said they were going to get. But what it was, they, they, they wanted to mock and, and, and resist Moses and eventually they were smothered and covered up by the plagues that came. I mean, the only, only thing we enjoy more watching people rise is watching them fall. And so Janice and Jambres who tried to do this resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith. But they will progress no... See, so here's what I know in the Spirit, in power. You say, Brother Lott, if I if I choose power... If I choose power, what, what do I get? You get the ability to accomplish everything that God intends for your life, and there's absolutely nothing in this world, no enemy, nothing will ever stop it. That's what you get. Well, does that mean it's going to be good? Maybe not. Uh, am I going to have to die? Probably, some way, some form. We all have to go some way. Is my life going to be easier? I don't know. I just know that everything God ever planned for your life will be accomplished. 100%. And that's what the Apostle Paul understood. Paul's sitting in jail knowing that I'm fixing to be beheaded. I'm fixing to die. But it's okay. Because everything that was ever intended for me to accomplish, the devil, the world, even Nero, couldn't stop it. And you have a choice. You can live in fear and never accomplish what God intended... And hope to live, but you're going to die anyway. Or you can choose power. Power to overcome, power to be, power to live. And yes, in some way, you're going to have limitations. God never has healed that knee. I still don't do great on IQ tests. But I know this much. Everything that God ever intended for Tim Lott to accomplish. To be a dad, a husband, everything that he designed for my life. He will finish it. And the devil, even though he growls and snarls, and he can't stop it. And the world that says we'll slow you down. God will always make a way. And in this room today, you have that choice. You can walk out of here today and live in fear and think, I hope things work out. Man, I just hope hope our kids try. Or you can walk out today as Paul told Timothy, Timothy, stir up the gift that's in you, son. God never gave you a spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of power. He gave you a spirit that can overcome whatever's on the other side of those doors. Will you stand? If you say this morning, brother, I'm I'm a candidate for that. I'm a candidate for that. And I say this very emphatically. You've got to know you're a candidate for it. I don't ever try to just lay hands on people quickly. I can can line people up and we can just boom, 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 lay, lay hands. And there'll be some that get it, some that don't, some that... But I'm going to tell you what the difference is. The difference is is whether or not you're a candidate. See, Timothy was a candidate. He had already people in his life that had poured truth into his life. He knew truth. He knew who he was and who he was supposed to be. He had a grandmother and a mother who had had poured. I I don't know, have you had enough Sunday school yet? Have you had enough people in your life, have you spent enough time with Pastor Lott or whoever? Have, have, you, have you made yourself a candidate to where you know that truth is in me? I know who I am. Because too many people come and they think, Brother lot I just want God to zap me, just zap all this Fox News out of my head, and just, just zap all this bad that I think, and just zap this negative attitude. It don't work that way. Some of you have been in church for years and are amazed how much you've grown, but it took years. It took every sermon, one chip at a time, one, one, and it's nothing wrong with being where you are. But what I'm talking about today is when we talk about power, the anointing that God said that He wants on every single one of you that already lives in you, but if it's mingled with the fear and all the anxiety that's in you, it won't produce. It won't produce. What he says is, have you, as the Apostle Paul, I have learned to glory in the fact that God is enough. His power is enough. If so, you're a candidate for power. Deutimus power. Power that lays hands on sick people. Power that prays and is surprised if it don't happen. Power that knows that God is working all things to your good. And you don't have to worry about everything. If you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, I'm a candidate, I need this, then being scriptural, it's only one way it comes by the laying on of hands. There has to be a moment where you realize I need your anointing to connect with my anointing. And I need a moment where I know that was the day. That was the day I was never the same. Oh, I was saved. I knew I loved Jesus. But that was the day that I started walking in power. And it may hit you in different ways. We call it tongues. We call it whatever. Your spiritual language, I don't know what fancy word they've come up with lately. But basically, when the power of God comes on you, I can't promise you what will happen. You may just cry like a baby. You may fall out. But I'll know this much. You will be filled with power. You will be filled with power. That much I guarantee And if you're here today and you say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. It's time. Because that is what God's telling me. That's where you're short. You have a form. You have a form of godliness. But you're denying my power. And you can't do this with your intellect. And you can't do this through your own will. You have to do this with my power. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, that's me, then I want to give you a chance. As you just step out, come up here, I want you just to stand, raise your hands, and I'm going to come by every single one of you, and I'm going to lay hands that God at this moment, at this time, that this is where power falls on your life. If you say, Pastor, that's me, it's my time, then come. If not, then I'm fixing to pray a dismissal prayer. I love you. Hopefully some most of you already got that you don't I want you to pray because the next week we're going to talk about love that's another gift we love that one right that's the easy one power scares the heck out of us oh I like the love brother like well we're going to talk about love and then we'll talk about a sound mind but all of that comes all of that comes through the same spirit father this morning for everyone in this house I pray power God, I pray that if they don't have sufficient power, that right now they know in their life, God, I'm just, I'm not powerful enough in the spirit to fight what I'm doing. Then God, I pray that they will get a hunger for it. That sometime over this next month, this next few weeks, they're going to come find me and they're going to say, Pastor, I'm a candidate. I believe the word. I need that anointing. I need power. That they'll find me in the next month, next weeks to come. That they'll just say, I can't go any further. I've got to have more. Father, we'll have that moment. For these that are coming right now, I thank you that in the name of Jesus, even as they stand here, even as they are, that power right now begins to flow through their lives. That Father, any fear, anything that they've ever doubted is pushed out. And I give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.